Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us for a very special episode featuring an exclusive all-access backstage pass behind-the-scenes interview with the author of the hottest new customer experience book of 2021. Oh, my. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. After eight seasons and 135 episodes, we have something brand new happening on the Experience This Show today. We've featured amazing customer experience books in our book report segments, and we always enjoy recommending books that we believe you need to read in order to continue sharpening and honing your CX skills. But today is a first. We actually have the author joining us for a very special book report segment. Drum roll, please. Loyal listeners, allow me to introduce the author of the brand new must-read CX book of 2021, The Experience Maker, how to create remarkable experiences that your customers can't wait to share by the one, the only, Dan Gingas. <laughs> well, thank you, buddy. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I am thrilled to be here on the Experience This Show. <laughs> well, I know we're playing around a little bit with this, folks, but I got to tell you, I'm beyond excited for this book. Because Dan and I are friends, I actually had the opportunity to read an advanced copy of this book earlier this summer. And while I didn't think that I could be a bigger fan of yours, Dan, I got to say I was wrong. This is a great book. I expected nothing less. I don't want you to think I was thinking it wouldn't be a great book. But I've really enjoyed reading this book. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It did sort of take 20 years of corporate America and storytelling with you and all the things that I've done up until this point, And it put it together into a simple framework that, that I think people can really use and be inspired by to get as excited about customer experience as you and I are on this show. That's really what my goal is. I love it. Now, we usually start our book report discussions with an overview from the author where we have them send us an audio clip and we play that for all of you. Uh, Dan, since you're here live, who is this book for and what is it all about? Give us a little bit of an overview of The Experience Maker. Well, this is a book for anyone that works in business. And I mean that, whether you're in a B2C company or a B2B company, or perhaps you even work with governments Everybody's in the customer experience business these days because, as I say at the beginning of the book, 
Competing on price has become a loser's game. It's a race to the bottom. Competing on product has become more and more difficult because even some of the most innovative companies of our generation, think Uber, have been copied. And so if Uber can get copied, so can your company. And when you take away price and product, really what's left in my mind, and I know in yours too, Joey, is experience. And the greatest thing about customer experience is it is something that you can do uniquely because it's delivered by your employees and no one else has your employees. And so it's, in my opinion, the last true differentiator. And therefore, if you're in business and you want to differentiate, and you want to compete, you got to be focused on customer experience. And I think this book teaches you how to do that with a very simple framework, which uh, we'll talk a little bit about. But one of the things that was really important to me as I was sharing examples in this book, and there are dozens and dozens, maybe 50 plus examples in this book, is they all go through a filter that was important to me when I worked in corporate America. The filter is that they have to be simple, practical, and inexpensive. And so nowhere are you going to find any advice in this book where I say, you know what, Joey, would be a really great idea is if you invited your clients to a private fireworks show and a live <laughs> concert by Bruce Springsteen, right? Which would You'd be amazing. Yeah, It'd be get terrific. But how many people could actually do it? Right. But who's got that kind of change? Right. Makes sense. Right. So I, I really try to keep these examples as simple, practical, and inexpensive so that anyone reading it can say, boy, I could do this tomorrow. Why, why didn't we think of that? I love it. I love it. And that is definitely the experience I had reading the book. Well, since we normally don't get the chance to actually talk to the authors, I've put together a series of questions that I wanted to ask. Now, to be clear, I know you have done dozens and dozens and dozens of podcast interviews in preparation for the launch of this new book. But here in our house, in the community of Experience This listeners, lovers, and followers, I wanted to ask some questions that my hope is no other podcast host has asked you about this book. And I really wanted to get behind the scenes so that your big fans here at Experience This could have the inside scoop, so to speak. Is that all right with you? It is, but first I want to learn a little bit more about these lovers that are in our audience. (laughs) Moral of the story, family show, family show. (laughs) Moral of the story here is, Dan, I wanted to try to ask the kind of questions that hopefully leave you going, oh my gosh, I hadn't even thought of that. And ladies and gentlemen, go listen to other podcasts with Dan talking about the book too. I'm sure you can find those, just do a quick little search. But I wanted to get into some stuff behind the scenes. So first and foremost, the book is called The Experience Maker. What does it mean to be an experience maker? And if you were in charge of conferring that title on folks who had read your book, what would they have to do to earn the title experience maker? Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because the experience maker is a person. And it's not meant to be me or you, although we might be experience makers, but it's really meant to be the person reading the book. And an experience maker, in my view, is somebody who makes every business decision with the customer in mind. Now, that doesn't mean you can't make business decisions with profit in mind. We all have to make money. I get it. But you can't make business decisions lacking any sort of thought on the customer. And so when people become that person in an organization, and I'll be honest, I was that person in a lot of the companies that I worked for. And I didn't know it until my boss at Discover told me. it. I mean, he said to me, I've watched you in meetings and I've seen that 
you're always wearing the customer's hat. You're always thinking about business problems from the customer's point of view. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I I didn't realize I was doing that, but that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's what an experience maker does, is you focus on every business decision has to have some customer impact. And thinking through that is always, in my opinion, going to lead to a better business decision. Oh, so true. Putting the customer first, thinking about it. It's something we talk a lot about, but I I often think we fail to recognize the power we have as individuals to be those experience makers, to be the voice in the meeting who says, but what about the customer? To be the person who says in the conversation with their boss or with their direct reports, we need to be thinking more about the customer. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, in the book, you outline the WISER acronym for creating experience. And WISER stands for witty, immersive, shareable, extraordinary, and responsive. And while you do an amazing job in the book of giving, as you mentioned before, tons of examples of how to embody these characteristics in every aspect of your customer journey, I'm curious about the acronym itself. And I'm wondering which letter in the acronym came to you first and which one came to you last? That is an awesome question that I haven't been asked, Joey. So kudos to that. Uh, witty is is in front and it's where I like to start because it's fun. And when I talk about witty, I don't mean being a stand-up comedian. I don't mean that you have to use humor at all. In fact, there's a few brands out there, Wendy's, Taco Bell kind of come to mind that have permission to be funny brands. And probably most of our listeners don't work for those brands. And so witty is different. It's about being clever. It's about using language to your advantage. And it's about refusing to be boring. And because of my own personality, when I sort of looked at my whole library of customer experience examples, the most examples I had were the witty ones because I love those. Like funny signs. You know I love signs, right? And so I had so many pictures of funny signs and those always get to me, right? In fact, uh, Joey, future episode, uh, I'll just tease it right now. I just saw a fantastic hand-washing sign in the middle of COVID in a bathroom recently that I, I got to read to you and, and share with you. So that one really came to me because it just was... It's the thing I'm most attracted to. And when I do workshops and stuff with other clients and I talk about these acronyms, it's usually the one people are most drawn to. Makes perfect sense. Now, here's the interesting thing, folks. Anytime you're writing a book or if you're a consultant, you're developing a framework and you start to think, I'm going to go with an acronym. You're trying to figure out what the word is going to be. And invariably, you kind of find this place often where you know what the letter needs to be, but you're not really sure what the word should be. What was the last one that came to you? I think the last one was actually shareable. And the reason for that is that the idea behind WISE is creating experiences that people want to share. So I thought, well, then can shareable be one of those things? It, it almost seems like it doesn't fit because it's the outcome. And I realized that it could be because shareable experiences don't happen by accident. There has to be an element in them that causes people to want to pull out their phone and take a picture or a video and share it. And that could be in a text to their mother, or it could be, you know, to a million followers on Twitter. It, it doesn't really matter. But being shareable has to be intentional. And so that was the one I struggled with the most, but then ultimately put it in there because it is, because without it, 
I mean, I know it sounds obvious, but without it, it's really hard to get people to share. The more we ask people to share, hey, Joey, we do me a favor. We follow me on Instagram. We take a picture of us recording our podcast. We share it out. You're like, okay, Dan, it's it. The more we ask, the less people want to do it. So we yeah, have we to do tr- it in a much more subtle way. 100%. I mean, we just sound needy, right? There's a difference between asking someone to share and creating an experience that is shareable, that they want to share. I, I love it. And I actually want to come back to that later in this conversation. But one of the things you mentioned earlier is that the book is chock full of case studies and stories and examples. What was the first story when you sat down to write the book that you said, oh my gosh, this book cannot go to press if it doesn't include this case study or this example. I'm not asking you necessarily to pick your favorite because I know that's tough. It's like asking someone to pick their favorite child. But when you look at the book, what was the first one that you remember going, this needs to be in a book for more people to read and know about? Well, I think from my own perspective, it was some of the stories from Discover because they're ones that I lived through. And so it's not just me conveying a story from a third party to the reader. It's, I did this. And so I am speaking from my own experience, which I think not only adds some credibility, but I can add color that I usually wouldn't be able to add. But I have to say, as you pointed out, some of the stories in the book will be familiar to people because some of the stories you've heard right here on Experience This. And the one that I felt like absolutely had to be in there from that was our story, one of our stories about Chewy. Because to this day... Every time I talk about Chewy on stage, I get off the stage and somebody runs up to me and says, let me tell you my Chewy story. It's unbelievable. It doesn't happen with any other brand that I talk about, but it happens all the time with Chewy. And so uh, the one I'm referring to in specific is the one that I deemed the greatest customer service email in the history of either customer service or email, which of course is a pretty big statement. And, uh, and I just loved that story and everything about it. And I know it also resonates with people. So that was one that I felt like had to get there as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Dan, what part of the book do you think people will skim over? They might be reading it and go, oh, I'm all good on this. I'm just going to kind of speed ahead to the next chapter or whatever. But that you know from your experience with your consulting clients and the audiences around the world that you've spoken to, what is the, the part of the book that you think folks should really slow down and make sure they understand fully and get right in their business? Yeah, I actually think it's the second half of the book because the first half of the book is the really fun part. It's all storytelling and it's a fun read. I mean, it just is. I, I, I know I'm the author, so I can say that, but I think people will really enjoy reading these stories. But what happens, and, and you and I have the same issue, when we're on stage and we've only got 35, 45 minutes in a keynote, our job is really to be inspirational. We can't actually dive into the, okay, here's the execution and how to do it in that short period of a time. And that's why we do workshops or breakouts or something like that to roll up our sleeves a little bit. Well, the second half of the book is really the rolling up the sleeves part. It's okay. Uh, hopefully I've inspired you with all of these stories. Now here's the things you actually have to go and do. Now, if you, if you got really excited over the first half of the book and you're like, but I want more stories, you might starting to skip the later chapters. And I don't think that would be a, a good idea because ultimately we have to be inspired, but we also have to be able to execute. Dan, I couldn't agree more. You know, with all due respect to other speakers and authors in the business genre, what readers want is a combination of ideas and action. If it was just ideas, 
you know, those are a dime a dozen. There are hundreds of thousands of stories that could maybe inspire someone and get someone to go, wow, that's neat or that's cool. But the kind of story combined with the implementation, with the action step that makes the shift, makes the change, that's what event coordinators pay for. That's what CEOs pay for. You know, the kind of people are like, look, I love the ideas, but if our people don't act, we're not doing what we need to be doing. So I love that so much of your book is really action-driven. You know, every time we do a book report, we ask the author to share their favorite passage, which I now realize is kind of an unfair request because lots of the passages, I'm sure, are your favorite passage. But I wanted to share one of mine, which interestingly enough, ties back to what you said earlier about shareable. So this actually comes from chapter seven, page 57, for those of you keeping score at home, the chapter on being shareable. And this passage, before I share it, uh, made me really think, wow, this two paragraphs, these two paragraphs, if every organization read these two paragraphs, they could immediately go into a meeting right now and start to improve their customer experience with just these two paragraphs. I found them to be two of the most powerful paragraphs in the entire book. Here we go. Often, I remind audiences and clients that there's no such thing as an offline experience anymore. We used to have offline experiences, an airplane, a subway, an office meeting, a bedroom rendezvous. But now everything we do, everywhere we go, we can pull out our phones take a picture or a video, and turn an offline experience into an online experience. So with every part of your company's experience, you have to ask yourself if you want it shared on social media. This is not just about being afraid of what people might say. It's about how you design it so people want to share the experience. Friends, I want to repeat that last sentence because the power's all in the last sentence. This is not just about being afraid of what people might say. It's about how you design it so people want to share the experience. I love this passage. Dan, can you give us an example of a company that just gets it and they're really working to make every interaction shareable? Yeah, and shareable is, again, as we mentioned before, sometimes complicated. We have a fellow speaker. I actually don't know if you know him or not, but a speaker friend of mine, Tyler Anderson, he's more in the marketing space. He likes to say, if you have to tell someone it's a selfie spot, it probably isn't a selfie spot, right? Because the whole idea of taking a selfie is it's spontaneous. So if you have to tell somebody, then it's not spontaneous anymore. And I think that's what we're trying to get at here is making the shareable part natural. You know, the the one that comes to mind is actually in that chapter. And we talked about it on Experience This, which is uh, the Sipsmith Gin Company. And the reason that I love that story briefly, when you go to a liquor tasting in a grocery store or in a liquor store, they usually hand you a little plastic cup full of liquid and you're like supposed to shoot it. And look, It's been a long time since I've been in college. I don't drink that way. (laughs) You don't do shots anymore? Shots on the quad? Come on. And not only that, an upscale gin that they want you, you know, drinking in a martini or a a gin and tonic, that's, that's not a great way to taste it anyway. And so the whole system doesn't make sense. And what Sipsmith did is completely rip that apart. And instead, they have this pop up experience at festivals and other places 
where they draw you into the brand and they they pour you a drink and they give you choices on how you want to customize it. And it's it's it could have very well been in the immersive category as well in my book, but I put it in shareable because at the very end, once you've created this totally customized drink, and there's about a billion combinations from the from the ingredients they offer you. They give you a little card where you can handwrite the name of it. And then they give you this tiny little clothespin that fits perfectly over the cup. And I'm telling you, not once does it say, please follow us on Instagram and share your creations. People do it automatically. They Once they named their own drink and they were proud of it, they the, before they even sipped it, every single person I watched put it down on the table and took a picture of it. And most of them likely shared it to social media. That's creating an experience that people have to share. They're almost it like they're, they can't help themselves. They have to share it because it's so much fun that they created their own drink and got to name it. And so I think it's one of the best examples of taking what is an otherwise mundane boring and not particularly a great way to highlight your product experience and turning it into something that is just absolutely shareable. Uh, brilliant. I love it. I don't even drink alcohol and I want to become a Sipsmith Gin customer because of the way they do things. All right. We're going to start to bring this conversation to a close. I want to go with some rapid fire questions just off the top of your head. And folks, Dan had no idea what these questions were uh, leading into our conversation today. Just give me your kind of quick off the cuff answer to a couple rapid fire questions. All right. What story or case study in the book is going to be the biggest shocker? It's the coolest idea, the one that you think readers are going to read and go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Actually, Joey, I have to say, it's that same chewy email. I keep coming back to it. And the shocker part of it is that after reading it and talking about it enough times, I finally realized something. I actually think it's a template. I think that Chewy figured out how to personalize these emails and include the person's dog's name or cat's name in it and the product that they left a bad review for and the suggestions for alternative products and all those amazing things that they do that make this email seem so personal. And then it dawned on me that it's probably a template and it's actually scalable. And to me, that was exciting because I... Then I was like, okay, anyone can do this. Oh, I love that answer because like you, I know, Dan, one of the biggest questions I get from consulting clients and audience members is, yeah, but how do you do that at scale? How do you make it scalable? And if folks, if Chewy, a billion dollar plus company can make their remarkable experiences scalable, so can you. Okay, Dan, this is going to be a little bit of a tricky one. If when you were writing the book, I imagine there was a part of the book that you said, oh, I wish I had a case study here from like a B2B or a B2C that was doing XYZ and you just didn't have it. But somebody listening to the experience of this show knows an example that will help fill in the missing case study and they can let us know what it is and you know, be featured in your next book or future speeches or those type of things. What's the missing case study you wish you had? I would say that, you know, I, I get a lot of questions about B2B and I usually the question is somewhere around, does this apply to B2Bs? You know, and this being customer experience and, and my, and my stock answer, which is a little sarcastic, I'll acknowledge. I know you like some good sarcasm is I look up straight in the eye and I say, well, that depends. Are you marketing to humans or not? 
so true. And then I pause, right? Right. But I'm like, wait for it, wait for it. And there, they finally got it. Yeah. And so since the answer is yes, of course it matters, right? I mean, these, the people, you're not marketing to an edifice or an ivory tower. You're marketing to a person. You're selling to a person. That buyer is a consumer in their real life. And so, yes, this stuff matters. I would love to hear more examples of B2Bs that really are in boring industries. You know, and I'm not talking financial services and healthcare. We got lots of examples of those and I worked <laughs> in those industries. But I'm talking about when you're in an industry that, you know, doesn't is is not likely going to be witty, for example, no matter how hard you try, that one might not fit for you. But there are companies that are still doing stellar things even when they're in an industry that maybe we don't think of as one that would be known for customer experience. So those are the kinds of ones I would like. And then also as you mentioned earlier, I, or you mentioned in a previous episode that you and I only highlight positive stories. I really did try to keep the stories positive, but there were a few really big screw-ups that I would have loved to dissect a little bit more. And I didn't because I really wanted the examples to be inspirational and positive. We have enough negativity in the world. So I'd say that's something else, but maybe that's another book. There you go. Well, that's a nice segue into our next question, which is, I know you've spent a ton of time working on this book and I know you're just coming up for air at the risk of dragging you back into the abyss. If you had to start writing another book next week, what would it be about? You know, there is a book that I've wanted to write and it is a deep dive into Discover. And number one, I think I'm reasonably qualified to write the book because I was there for 10 years. But one of the things that I loved about that company is... It was nowhere near the largest credit card company, either as an issuer, because you have banks like Citi and Chase and Amex that are much bigger, and or as a network, because you have Visa MasterCard that are bigger than they are. So they were always playing from you know a couple spaces behind. But I really felt like they embraced that. And because of that, and knowing that they didn't have the money to spend that a Chase had to spend... They had to get scrappy and get creative. And that's why it's a company that to this day is the only credit card company that has 100% US-based customer service agents. And when you call, the agents answer the phone and tell you where they're sitting. And it is remarkable because 80% of the time, the very first words out of the customer, no matter why they were calling, was to comment on where the person's located. You know, like, oh, I love Chicago. I visited there two years ago. And what does that mean? They're establishing a relationship with the customer before we even get to why they called. And it's little things like that that Discover just understands. And so our our, fr- our friend Shep Hyken wrote an entire book about Ace Hardware. And I always thought it'd be really fun to write a whole book about a single company and really try to go through that entire customer journey and unpack why it works and what the learnings were, because I think that would be super useful to people in other companies and industries. Oh, I love it. I look forward to reading that one, Dan. Okay, last question. If people were to take two actions after reading your book, other than, of course, writing a five-star review, which seriously, friends, go out and do that. It is the biggest gift that you can give to your favorite authors. Get onto Amazon, write them a review, make it a great review. Not It doesn't necessarily have to be five stars or that's always appreciated, but talk about the book. Talk about what you got out of the book. Talk about what you appreciated the book. Write the kind of things you wish somebody would write about your book if you wrote one. If there was going to be two actions that you wanted readers to take after reading The Experience Maker, Dan, what would those two actions be? 
The first is become a customer of your own company. You have to do that to be customer-centric. You have to be a customer as well. So become a customer. I don't care how hard that is. Do it anyway. And the second is to listen to your customers. Get feedback and don't just put it in a report. Read it, listen to it, engage with it, and do something about it. Take action on feedback. And you will find that when you ask people for their feedback, you get amazing, amazing amounts of it that really can bring your business forward. Ooh, I love it. Be a customer of your own business, ask for feedback, and then take action on it. Dan Gingas, you are fantastic. The experience maker is fantastic. Friends, let's all do Dan a favor. He would never ask you to do this, but I have no problem asking you to do this. Press pause on this recording right now, okay? Press pause on the episode. You can come back to it. Go online, hop in the car and go to your favorite bookstore, whatever it may be, pick up a copy of the hardcover or the paperback version. Now you can get the ebook too, but make sure you get the physical copy as well because I want to see this on your shelf or desk. I want it to be a visual reminder in your life, not buried in your Kindle or in an app on your phone. I want you to see the cover that says the experience maker and feel that you too can be an experience maker. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the experience of this show over the last eight seasons, do Dan a solid. Show the love. Pick up a copy of his new book this week during launch week. Don't hesitate. Go right now and be an experience maker. Woo! That was a fantastic interview. And folks, we're just going to call that the singular segment for this episode. You know, if you get a chance to do a behind-the-scenes all-access interview with the one, the only, Dan Gingas, I'm not going to mess it up by having other segments. We want you just to focus on being an experience maker. But for those of you that decided to stick around to hear a final thought, we'd love to feature your review of the show. So here's how it works. If we pick your review and you hear us share it on a future episode, just send us an email and we'll get you a very special top secret prize package as a thank you for your kind words. Today's review of the show is a five-star review from Coach Bella in the United States. Positivity and learning. If you're looking for positivity from two great experts and inspiring advice for customer experience, Look no further than this podcast. Great job, Joey and Dan. Woo! Thank you, Bella. We love your positive review about our positivity, and we so appreciate the ongoing support and listening. Don't forget to message us to get your special prize. Now, do you want to be featured in a future episode of Experience This? It's easy. Since you enjoy the show enough to keep listening, just zip over to lovethepodcast.com slash experience this. Again, that's lovethepodcast.com slash experience this and leave us a quick review. It is super easy and super fast and could lead to some super awesome prizes for you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listen to the whole show, yay you, we're curious was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, 
Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience. Yes.